everybody. Thanks for checking out Bleach Mouth Postscript. My name is Larry. This is part two of my two-part conversation with Ann Lillis. If you've not heard part one yet, it's up. Go back, listen to that first, then come back and see us here. Thanks a lot. It's interesting because I really like the song Mercy, Mercy. And oh, yeah. I, you know, the amazing thing about the Rolling Stones is um, that they at one point had a string of like six LPs and the records before the ones I'm thinking about were really good too. But if you start with, I think beggars banquet all the way up through it's only rock and roll. How many bands or any artists can say they had records that were top to bottom solid all the way through on right. every one of those fucking records. Well, you and don't want to hear what I'm going to, I say because the other one is the Beatles. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I already knew oh which, boy. like one of the songs I knew which one it was gonna be. But anyway, we don't talk about that. We're not there yet. Well we'll we'll get there because <laughs> I, I have a theory I'm going to explain again that a couple of my friends know about and people who have listened to earlier episodes have had to suffer through. But okay. I'm not I'm not here to shit on the Beatles. In fact, That's okay. I, I will go out of my way to tell you the things I absolutely love about them. But I'm just going to tell you you're wrong. <laughs> I'm ready to hear it. I, I'm, I'm ready for the, um, for the differing, <laughs> honestly. But anyway, Mercy, Mercy, Mercy is a really great song. And the one yeah. thing I always find, the one thing I appreciate about them almost more than any other band is that when they did covers, they did them correctly. Yeah. And they went out of their way to credit the right songwriters, which yeah. was something people weren't trying to do. And uh, really pay homage to stuff. It wasn't just them, you know, ripping off uh, a black artist and walking away with pockets full of loot. I mean, they walked with pockets full of loot, but there are plenty of stories of them making a point to, well, like the one famous story was they were supposed to be in Hullabaloo, I think. It was really early on. And they said, we're not going to do your show unless you let us bring Helen Wolf with us. Hey, hold a second. Yeah, uh, what I wanted to ask is, Mick, that uh, little red rooster, when you recorded it, where did you make it? Howling Jack Good. What? Now, I want a serious answer to this question. Now, in, you get in London. It? Where? Oh, you can't say that. No. But don't you make some of your records in America? Yes. Where? Where? Here in Hollywood? Yeah. And Chicago. Well, uh, I was in Chicago a little while ago, and I came across this restaurant. I went in, and I found a chap singing the blues. I thought he was fantastic, so I booked him. And, uh, it, turned, and it turned out to be somebody you know about. Uh, in fact, he's quite famous, isn't he? Yes, well, he was the first one that recorded Little Red Rooster. Was he? When did you... Tell us something about him, Brian. Well, when we first started playing together, we started playing because we wanted to play rhythm and blues, and Howling Wolf was one of our greatest idols, and it's a great pleasure to find you've been booked on this show tonight. It really is a pleasure. Thanks to Howling Jack Wolf. So I think it's about time you shut up and we had Howling Wolf on stage. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Let's get him on. Howling Wolf, bring him on. Ah. Uh-huh. 
amazing. Yeah, exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, in the 90s when, or was it the early 2000s? I can't remember. Helen Wolf's guitar player, his side man, Hubert Sumlin, who is an mm-hmm. amazing guitarist, died. And, you know, he didn't have a bunch of money. So the Stones not only paid for a huge, extravagant, extravagant funeral and his headstone and a plot and everything and the party and paid for his family and did everything else. Like they went on, they made a big news thing about it, not to pat themselves on the back. Cause by the time he died, nobody cared about Hubert Sumlin and the Rolling Stones weren't, weren't going to get brownie points. Cause to most younger people, the Stones were relics. Right? right. But they still said, no, this guy's important. Pay attention to him. You know? Yeah. We're playing stadiums, but that's the guy we're getting all of our stuff from. So, when they do covers, they always are almost always better than anybody else doing covers out there because they understand it intimately in a way that I think a lot of people don't. And yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. And I was I familiar like with all of this better. Yeah. Well, it is. It is. Well, almost, almost done. always. There's very few instances where a cover okay. is better than I'm the original. Think, yeah. I'm trying to think of an example of like a. Well, I can tell you what it is, but it's out of this sphere of influence. Completely. Okay. What, what is it? Well, there's a band, there's a metal band called Diamond Head and okay, yeah, yeah. they were part of the new wave of British heavy metal and that, um, those group of British bands in the late seventies, early eighties were real influential on Metallica. Diamond Head, Diamond Head did, uh, Metallica did three covers by them. They did Helpless, uh, Am I Evil and, uh, The Prince and the originals are amazing. Mm-hmm. They're really fucking good. I'm not a Metallica stan, but I will tell you right now that Metallica's versions are actually, they're actually a little bit better. And the only reason why is because the production quality is a little more heftier. There's more mm-hmm. weight with the rhythm section yeah. with the Metallica versions. And they're a little bit faster and they trim a little bit of fat with their arrangement. So it's Other- part, of it, part of it's the recording quality and part of it's the... Well, it's how they treat the rhythm section. Yeah, the recording quality, how the rhythm section is treated, and they trim some fat off of, like in particular the song Helpless, there's a coda um, that it just doesn't, it just seems, it's it's too much, right? It's still amazing, you know? Um, And the vocals, the vocals are great, but Metallica just pairs it down, and it's still six minutes when Metallica does it. So... (laughs) that's yeah. that's the only instance that i can think of where i like to cover better than the original ever i know i can't think of one i feel like there's got to be something but i can't think of anything off the top of my head for some reason no. but yeah yeah this this uh that's a great song don uh, covey um they're pretty similar but um but don't you think that the it's it's hard to describe even as a drummer but i feel like the um, the original version just has this like bounciness to it and the stones kind of like leveled it out and made it more, um, I don't know how to like describe it. Like, I guess like it's not as loose to the ground a little, it's more like, uh, I, I don't think a garagey feel to it than it does like the soul feel. I don't know how else to describe it. Right. I think that, I think that the original actually, and this is weird because when you talk about the stones, one thing they always did really well was they're really good at being loose and mm-hmm. playing, playing in circles and weaving in and out. And 
just intimately knowing when the changes are happening and not having to crash on the downbeat to signify that change. Right. Yeah. But the original is looser sounding than the stones version. Like it, to me, it just sounds more, there's more life to it. Yeah, exactly. It has so much life to it. Yeah. No. It's, it's just, uh, I, and I, I love Mick Jagger's vocal, even though it, to my taste, he's not traditionally a good singer, but I've always liked his vocal performances. Same. The vocals on the original are just better too. Like it's, you can kind of tell that he like that Mick tries to kind of mimic them to some degree too. Like they definitely, there's an element of like, not like not mimic, I guess, but just like pay homage to, but. Well, yeah, he, he tries to affect it, but he can only do so much. He's very yeah. much just like, he knows his limitations and that's why he became like such a great front man because yeah. he's not, a, you know, he's not, he's not paul mccartney he can't right. sing really well paul mccartney actually sings really well does. you know um wait so side note i was just i wanted to look i just would look this up earlier today because i was just um i wanted to see what year each came out it was only it was 64 and then 65 was the stones version i couldn't remember but i didn't realize this and it's not like confirmed but supposedly Jimi hendrix played the guitar riff on the don Cove version it's possible. He was all over a lot of records. I yeah. mean, famously Little Richard and the Isley Brothers, but yeah. it's entirely possible. I mean, that guy, um, yeah, he's he's a dude that 
it's weird how much when you listen to like Hendrix records, how contemporary in some ways that they sound because they're so different from everything else that was ever made. After I read that and I thought of the very first guitar riff in the Don Covey version, the like, it's just the very beginning of the song. Like it does sound like Jimi Hendrix. He has that very recognizable style. I, I don't know. I believe it. I think it's him. Yeah. It looks like he contributed a guitar part to it. Um, one of the backup singers, um, you know, uh, one of the backup singers confirmed it. And so did Steve Cropper from Booker T and the MGs. Mm-hmm. Talk about a band that's got an awesome rhythm section. Jesus Christ. Booker T and the MGs rhythm yeah. section is sick. They're so good. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that that's a really great song. But it's so weird. Um, I'm glad you put both of them though. You know, I would have pointed out that Just to compare. the Stones covered it or the original was this either way, but um, it's a really great song. I like that one a lot. Um, and it just came out. It was funny because the original was in 64. So it wasn't too long after that they actually. No, like almost immediately. I don't know. I like the, the I mean, I don't not really like a lyrics person, but I just like the, the simplicity of the lyrics. It's great. It's just a great song. Perfect yeah. song. Okay, let's 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 go down the dark Jackal path here. So is it John or Yoko that you hate? <laughs> I don't look, here's the I'll let me just put this up front. I don't have any hate for Yoko. I don't because here's why. All these people, you know, all these people who say this shit, like, and this is like a guy thing to do. Like it's always, oh, the woman, yes. Sorry. you know, oh, she's the reason why so and so did this or blah blah. And famously, Yoko Ono broke up the Beatles. No, she didn't. No. You're not giving one, I don't think she cared. It wasn't, no. I don't think that was, I don't think any of that was her intention. And then ultimately, so what you're saying is that John Lennon's not an autonomous human being who can't make his own decisions right. for himself? That, and like, you know what it's like being in a band. Like bands are, even at their best, are dramatic as fuck. Like, it's just, it's like being in a relationship with people. Like, it's just difficult to please everyone it's difficult and they did it for so long you you had you had competing egos Mm -hmm. right between mccartney and lennon right clearly and you had an emerging songwriter who was frustrated and like yo fuck you guys i'm every bit as good as you are and ultimately had the best solo material (laughs) i mean yeah i mean like by far but and his songs are my favorite beatles songs on top of that I just, I'm a John person like through and through. I know, but oh, I, boy. I know, I know, I know, I know. No, you no, it's okay. I'm just, I'm teasing you. You're I feel like I could defend John Lennon. Like I, but there's nothing to defend. There's nothing to defend. It's not, he's in Do you feel, do you really feel that, do you really feel that you have to defend him to people though? I mean, I get, I get a lot of shit about saying he's my favorite Beatle just because of his like, you know, I, he's not the best guy that ever lived. Like, I mean, he's got some, Oh, you mean his shitheadedness? No, no, no. Let's, let's take that yeah. out of the equation. Oh. Take There's, that. Out of, just the songwriting is unparalleled. Sorry. John is the best. I will stand by this till the day I die. The greatest songwriter in the Beatles within the Beatles solo right. George better. His solo work was really bad. I thought. John's? I, I thought, yeah. 
generally. But some of it's so good. I like the hits and that's about it. The rest of it, I'm just like, you know, no, that's weird because setting aside the fact that John Lennon was a prick, Mm -hmm. um, I always felt that people favored him over Paul because Paul was schmaltzy, right? Paul is schmaltzy. (laughs) But that's, but that's awesome. I like that too. I don't dislike Paul, but he's my least favorite Beatle. He, let me let me tell you the, the theory thing I have. This is the thing I was telling you about that where people who have listened to the pod before have heard this before. My friends have suffered through it. Okay. Do you know anything about theoretical physics? <laughs> I do not. Sorry. Okay. So there's a steering theory called string theory where basically- oh, Okay. Okay. I vaguely know. Vibrating strings and there are multiple universes, right? And it can be infinite, these multiple universes. Um, actually, there's an app- now where you can i think you download the app and it costs money and you press a button Mm -hmm. and when you press the button it releases a photon at some super collider or something some type of device in europe and what you're doing effectively i didn't listen to the whole story but what you're doing effectively when you when you set this proton out or photon or whatever the hell it is Mm -hmm. by releasing it you're creating an alternate universe okay a universe where if I, a universe where instead of getting online with you to do this interview, I would have just gone to bed. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. So mm-hmm. in my, and I'm not a scientist, clearly. <laughs> I can't wait. My, my, th- my theory is there's only two universes. Okay. There are only two, right? There is a Slayer Black Sabbath, Rolling Stones, Negative Approach Universe. Okay. Okay. The other universe is Metallica, The Beatles. No. Led Zeppelin. No. And Minor Threat. I live in the first one. <laughs> that's that's where that's where my being came into existence. However, I will take I'll take a wormhole. And travel to the other one and visit a lot because there's a lot of good stuff over there. <laughs> but I reside in this darker realm of like, you know, your Sabbaths and your stones and that sort of thing. I like, I, you know what, maybe, okay. I think if I'm being honest with myself. It's super reductive, but look, the universe is a cold, uncaring place and science is science. And that's science, man. I'm sorry. Well, the thing is, I used to like fancy myself this like, you know, like more of like harder edged person with like a little more darkness that than I think that I actually have. So mm-hmm. ultimately, like if I had to choose between those two, I think I probably reside in the fucking cornball one and just like wormhole over wormhole over to the cool one occasionally, probably. And, it, and it's so funny that I say I reside in that darker realm yet. <laughs> I can sit and listen to the long and winding road nine times in a row. Which is so funny because that's one of my least favorite Beatles songs. I love that song. Or I just like uh, in high school. What's the other one I really like? Because um, I favor the last two records over all their material Interesting. quite a bit. But their early singles are really good. But like, um, yeah. uh, Oh Darling off of Abbey oh. Road is... I love that song, Wonderful. but like here comes the sun and something yeah. are my two favorite Beatles songs. Oh like, yeah. You know. those are, something is. 
so tell me, so tell me how you came to um, enjoy, love, cherish every man has a woman who loves him, which is one of the most ironic fucking song titles on the face of the planet, given okay. the individual who wrote it. I I agree with that. Okay, so this first of all, this okay. I fucking love this song. I don't love it ironically. I just love it. Mm -hmm. Let me just get that out there. I think it's wonderful. Um, This is my foolproof DJ song. Every time I put this on, people are happy when I DJ. Also, um, I discovered this song in high school with my girlfriends. We were at my, um, my friend's house and we were just messing around with records and we were listening to Double Fantasy and we were like, we've never listened to the Yoko songs on this before. Let's see what they're like. And we, I don't know, something just hit us right that night. We were like eating pizza and drinking Pepsi. This is like, I told you we didn't drink. So we were just like dead sober listening to Yoko and just enjoying it uh, deeply. (laughs) I don't know how else to describe it. Like I love a dance beat. I don't think disco sucks. I think disco's cool. I think I shoehorn like dance beats into everything I do if I can.
I, I think a lot of people's hatred of disco has more to do with homophobia and racism than it does actually okay. hating disco. That, yeah, not that's into actually, that. That's actually the truth. I mean, I mean, the backlash to disco had more to do with that. Am I a disco fan? No, absolutely not. But it's dance music. It's meant to be fun. And it was, yes. and it's not. That I support, but. Those, those, they didn't make those records for guys like me. And that's fine. But that doesn't mean I hate it. You know, I mean, right. it was, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'd rather if I danced, I don't dance. It, you know, it'd be Sly and the Family Stone or something like that, as sure, opposed yeah. to, say, the Tramps or whoever else. But right. Yeah, people who hate on disco, they're just that's they're, the, they're, they're being like poser snobs. They're trying to be snobs, but they're fucking posers, you know? Right. I don't know. I just I know this record is kind of cheesy. I just okay. I I will tell you that me, this must just be like the company I keep generally, but I have never played this song for anybody and had them dislike it before. And you people haven't heard it because it's not like it's a deep cut on this record. And this record isn't like who's listening to the but second song but, on this record. Why would you ever do that? But we did for some reason. And I was like, this is fucking amazing. And but there it. are but there are good songs on this record. <clears throat> like I love I love watching the wheels. I mean, oh, like, I'll, I'll, cr- I'll, I'll yeah. criticize him. But that song is pretty perfect. It's a pretty perfect song. I like just starting over. I like beautiful boy, but I don't have, I don't have use for any of the other, any, any of the rest of it. And it has nothing to do with Yoko, nothing to do with her at all. I mean, I don't know whether she writes good music or not because the stuff I've heard, I'm like, okay, that's not for me. And I just haven't bothered with it, but yeah, people, again, people hating on Yoko is about as lame as people hating on disco. It's just, it's yeah. just bullshit. It has to do with sexism, racism, and fucking homophobia. Well, not homophobia in her, on her part, but I mean, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. it's all this nonsense that has nothing to do with the real world. You can dislike something, but the vitriol that people have towards Yoko Ono and disco, you know, it's just absurd. It's stupid. Yeah. It's like, that's really what you're going to hate on. I mean, in a world where bands like five finger death punch exist, you know, you're going to hate Yoko Ono. I mean, let's face it. The people who hated Yoko Ono were listening to, and if I offend you by saying this, I apologize right, right out the gate. The people who hate on Yoko Ono thought that Boston sticks and foreigner were the height of rock and roll creativity. I, and it was all garbage music. Those bands. I have a couple songs by those bands that I kind of like ironically will jam out to that I think, I think it started ironic and now I kind of like maybe sort of in my heart of hearts genuinely like a couple tunes, Look, but I definitely would never be like, I love sticks. Well, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that every band, every band, every band, every artist has at least one good song in them. Do you like but, Urgent by Foreigner? No, no. <laughs> Just me then. But this, the statement, the statement, uh, there's a second part to that. Every band yeah. has one good song in them. They just oftentimes don't ever write it. Okay. So if Boston has a good song, they've never written it. <laughs> That's such a sick burn, honestly. <laughs> you know, I'm sure they have. I mean, I'm sure they have a good song in them. You know, where it's like, oh, but that, you know, the guy's a guitar genius. I'm like, who cares? Who cares? No, that all, all, all of that is boring. Like he made this special box. I'm like, so that 
there, nothing appeals to me less than someone being like, oh my God, this guy is such a shredder. You got to hear, I'm just like, no, 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 no. no. I, I like shreddy guitar players. I mean, well, you play with Other a shreddy. Than- you play with okay. a shreddy guitar player, by the way. I was going to say, I will defend one of them and that is Dave Rich. <laughs> <laughs> His, his, I, love Dave. his, I love Dave's guitar playing. He's a fucking shredder. His heavy metal nerddom rivals a lot of people that I know. And it's so funny watching him take ownership of stuff that is patently terrible. And I'm like, mm-hmm. look, I, I'm with you on the King Diamond, Merciful Fate and Megadeth mm-hmm. and, and Slayer thing. But I, you're, you're, going into, you're going into waters that I don't dare go into. And you're going into them without a life vest. So you're on your own. I don't know what to tell you. It's he is just, recording. He's just holed up by himself and recording the craziest, most. This is genuinely chaotic music, and I told him this myself today. So I, I'm not saying anything he hasn't already heard me. Say. I've got I've gotten the impression from my interactions with him online that he's well aware of what he's mm-hmm. doing. That he knows, oh, he knows that this is absurd, and he's a he's a clever dude, so he knows, yeah. you know. Yeah. But um. So yeah, I mean. That's uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not gonna shit on John Lennon too much. That's okay. You know, there, there's a whole world of people out there to do that for me. I don't need to do it. <laughs> there, yeah, he just uh, he just leaves a bad taste in my mouth, and not just because he was shitty to women, but just like, and they, you know, <laughs> things I always laugh about. I'm like the the bedding for peace, and like. Oh, that is cheesy. That's some cheesy shit. You're in a really famous, expensive hotel. I don't. That's how is that a protest? But how do you? You're not, like, you're not suffering. <laughs> it's like. I feel like that's corny, and I feel like I know this isn't Beatles, but like I feel like a lot of the. I don't. As much as I love psych music and all of that stuff, like I feel like a lot of like the late '60s, like Woodstock era stuff, is like incredibly corny as like it's just bad. the whole. The whole thing is cheesy to me because you know that these people, these are the motherfuckers that like nowadays like are living in the suburbs wherever and like in McMansions and voting for God knows who, you know, it's just like, it just, that leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Like that kind of shit. It's like the people that <laughs> preach this bullshit like back in the day now. Well, it's because, there's a lot of that shit. Well, cause part of the problem was, is like a lot of the, and I don't want to, you know, I'm painting with broad strokes here, but look, a lot of the, a lot of those college students that were doing all the protests and all that stuff, you know, and fighting the quote unquote good fight for whatever they were fighting for, they were all from families that, that could afford to send them to college. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. My dad went to Vietnam. He wasn't going to college. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and so it's hard for me to, and I'm not saying that just because you have money, you necessarily don't have a dog in the fight, but I question, you know, I mean, for them, it was a good time to party and fuck shit up. And once we're done with college, the party's over, it's time to get our jobs on wall street. And it's just, it's all just fake. The whole hippie thing is just, it was horse shit. And listening to some pampered musician go on and on about whatever, it kind of stinks. But but at the same time, I'm like, well, what else should you use that platform for? So I'm kind of torn, you know? Yeah, no, that's a good point. That is a good point. It's like, at least, you know, you're saying something, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't ever want to hear Bono talk about anything ever again, but yeah, no, me neither. And I'm not a YouTube person either. So 
like when you hear stuff about like like George Michael, right? Mm-hmm. After he passed away, it came out that he donated millions of dollars to charities and showed up at soup kitchens and did shit on the sly. Like mm-hmm. that's that's the stuff I want to hear about. Yeah. Right. I don't want to hear about Bono trying to talk about whatever political cause he takes up because I'm just like, okay, Bono. <laughs> yeah. And I, and, I, and I agree with you about the like the bed in with John Lennon and stuff. And I'm a, I am a John Lennon stan as much to everyone's dismay. He, well, he, look, he was a talented guy. And there are songs that like I particularly like uh, the song Your Blues. Oh, that's a great song. Yeah. Quite a bit. And especially the version that they did on the rock and roll circus with that band. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, you know, I don't give a shit about Eric Clapton, but you know, he's yeah. a serviceable guitar player, right? He's, yeah. he's, he can play, but yeah. listening to Keith Richards play bass is kind of a revelation. If you listen mm-hmm. to him, like he know he understands that instrument better than most bass players who have been playing for decades. Right. Mm-hmm. And then Mitch Mitchell. I mean, come on. Right. Mitch Mitchell. So Girl, you know the reason why In the morning Wanna die In the evening Wanna die If I ain't dead already Girl, you know the reason why the sky my father was of the earth but i am of the universe and you know what it's worth i'm lonely wanna die if i am dead already girl you know the reason why My bone feels so suicidal, just like Dylan's Mr. Jones. I'm lonely, wanna die if I'm dead already. Girl, you know the reason why. Black cloud crossed my mind, blue mist round my soul. Feel so suicidal, even hate my rock and roll. I'm lonely. Wanna die if I ain't dead already. Ooh, girl, you know the reason why.
people are like, oh, he's such a flailer. I'm like, mm, no. no, he he's got time. He has time. He's got as much time as his contemporaries like Ginger Baker or, you know, those guys, their timing is impeccable. Yeah. You know, he's just looser than Ginger Baker is. That's yeah. all. You know, he's more behind the beat than Ginger Baker is. I saw yeah. Ginger Baker at a we- very weird show he played a few years ago with my dad. We went to see Ginger Baker. How was it? it uh it was just it was weird. Yeah. <laughs> it honestly wasn't like the best, but it Okay. I'm I'm glad I went. I had a good time, but it, it was a little strange. Yeah, he he's he's a guy who um is clearly a piece of crap, but made some really good mm-hmm. records. I mean, yeah. And you, if you circle that back around to Eric Clapton, the only reason I even admit that he's a serviceable guitar player is because the only stuff I like that Eric Clapton has done is based on what band he is in. Oh, for sure. Like, like Cream, early, those Cream. Cream records are great records. Yardbirds. I, I like the early Yardbirds records. I like the stuff he did with John Mayall and the Blues Breakers when it was him yeah. and John oh, McVie. Is and isn't Derek and the Dominoes him too? Yeah, unfor- I don't care for that one yeah. as much, but I do like that Blind Faith LP. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, but he's just, I can think of a million guys who are better than him that are contemporaries of his that were better. Like Peter Green was better than Eric Clapton. It, you know, Light Years, a better guitar player, you know, yeah. but- that's neither here nor there anyway so are you guys like is safe words and beyonders making any plans for the fall or summer or anything you guys just kind of still sort of waiting out i think safe words recorded some stuff right we did yeah um so kate who sings and plays guitar in safe words moved to austin during the pandemic so she's living in austin texas now oh okay yeah so she's but she's actually coming home tomorrow (laughs) okay this is all everything's hitting at once lately um so she's coming home tomorrow and we're filming a live stream next week um at spotted owl in akron so we're doing that and Mm -hmm. um we are sitting on an entire record of music we just don't want to release it until we can actually play a release show so we have a record do you how how do you guys feel about like shows opening up like in general like what what's your sense of it what's your comfort level i at this point i I don't know real quick no judgment i'm just oh yeah i i don't feel comfortable playing like a standard show inside a venue at this point i i I don't know many musicians that do i i know everyone's got like varying levels of concern i'm i mean like full disclosure i'm fully vaccinated now so Awesome. Yeah. So I've been since February. So, oh, hell yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, I'm like, uh, I guess I'm like coming up on, I guess today is two weeks. Today is two weeks. So I'm like officially fully vaccinated today. So, um, yeah, we all are. So we're getting together this weekend and practicing for this live stream, but I, uh, I can't really imagine playing an indoor show in a normal setting right now. Yeah, uh, we played an outdoor show last summer, but which was strange because it was also just kind of really spaced out and it, it was weird, but I'm glad we did it. Yeah. It's better than nothing, but I don't yeah. know. How about you? Like, do you feel that? I, I don't, don't well, like I sort of talked about this on the most recent episode a little bit. Like I've got friends who are booking shows for July and I, mm-hmm. that's not unreasonable 
because that's two months from now. Things are going yeah. moving along so quickly. Yeah. But I don't think if somebody said, "Hey, Gargus, do you want to play in July?" I'd be like, "No, no." I'd wait till August or September at least. And yeah. even then, it's like you know. Um, but I also don't have to really worry about it because you know the band I'm in really like we live all over the state and it's kind of about as part-time as a band can get. We do it when we can, you know, but yeah. if somebody offered me a show in July, I would turn it down. Now that being said, what about outside? I wouldn't do it outside either just no. because no. And I'm not real comfortable playing outside generally. I and that has, that has nothing I mean, to do I with do the it, pandemic. but I don't, I don't, that has nothing to do with the, that has nothing to do with the pandemic. That's just me. I don't like outside. I don't like, I mean, outdoors. you feel like it's always strange. Like it always is just, it's just, uh, I don't know. I mean, I do it often, but it's just, it's never, it's never ideal playing outside. I, I don't get, I don't get the, the humming and the, uh, I can't feel the air being pushed out of the speakers the way I do when you're inside. And I, I kind of need that for it to, cause I'm so, I've been doing it that long. Yeah. In that way, like I need to feel the air being like those speaker comes pushing air for me mm -hmm. to feel. And when you're out sort outside that whole element's gone, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, um, and <clears throat> I also don't like looking and seeing everybody. Mm -hmm. I know it's weird. I just, I don't, don't like that either you know, but I'm forced to, cause I'm standing up front. So it's just something I've, I've had to contend with, you know, have you ever, I, I, I would say like outside that happens. And then I've played because I like toured with folk bands and stuff. We played a lot of theater gigs, mm -hmm. <laughs> which are very, to me, like, I, I mean, I pretend like it's fine on stage, but like, it's, it's very uncomfortable to play to a room of seated people. <laughs> Like, it's yeah, so I've never played to a theater, but in the nineties, there was a, there was a sort of swing in, you know, in the hardcore punk scene in the nineties, there was a swing from, uh, you know, coming out of the eighties, how would I put this? I'm trying to put this as succinctly as possible. There's a certain level of machismo that comes with being in hardcore punk bands that sort of started in the early eighties because all the guy, when hardcore was sort of fomenting it's still punk rock to me but when when that sort of style was fomenting it was a lot of preteens and teenagers and a lot of these people were guys so there's a certain level of testosterone that comes with it but by the mid and late 80s it became an overbearing amount so that people who were aging they're either aging out they were processing um their anger in a more productive way and their music became a little bit different or they were just macho goons. So by the time the nineties rolled around a lot, there was a pushback to that. You know, a lot of people were feeling excluded. Yeah. And there was a thing, there was a trend where instead of mosh pits, you'd go to a show and everybody would sit down on the floor. Oh. And I was. No, thank you. <laughs> no, it was. It was beyond lame. It was performative. It had nothing. It, no, it had nothing to do with any real. It was very much a trend. It was just something people were doing. It was like, what do they call it these days? Virtue signaling. That's yeah. all it was. It had nothing yeah. to do with like these people weren't concerned about people feeling excluded, being left out of shows. There are other ways to combat that. Yeah. 
And so I, I, that's the only thing analogous to playing in a theater that I've done. Now, I, ha- I, have, I have played in the Agora big room. We played on the big stage once. I've, and there's a funny story about that. I'll tell you off, off. Okay. Thing, but I played that stage. I only, okay. Oh, I was trying to remember. I was like, I have played that stage, but why? Oh, it was for lottery league. Are you familiar with lottery league? Yeah. Did you, was that in the ballroom or was that in the big theater? Um, cause there are two I'm, rooms. The ballroom has a, the ballroom has a recessed floor. Recessed floor. Okay. It's so that like, must've been in the, it's not like a, th- like the theater actually has the seats and it goes down the way a theater does. Okay. So this, yeah, I and guess it's really big. Yeah. I guess this must've been the ballroom then. Right. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Now that you're saying that, cause it wasn't like, there's an actual recessed pit area in the ball. Maybe I've just never been in that part of the No, you Yeah. I'm trying to think I'm like trying to picture this. The ballroom's big though. It's just the theater is huge. There's just, Okay, it couldn't have been that then because yeah. it, it wasn't like it was big, but it wasn't like Yeah. Okay. How many how many times have you done lottery league? Um twice. Twice. Did you have fun? I did. I honestly had the um I had a great experience both times. Like um I had great musicians I ended up playing with the first year I really enjoyed the band I was playing with. And, um, it was kind of just like logistical stuff that kept us from continuing. Cause we, the one guy, uh, lived in Cuyahoga falls and I lived in Akron at the time when I did lottery league the first time I, I've lived in Cleveland for five years now, but, um, yeah, it was just like a Cleveland Akron thing. So we didn't keep it going. And I, I kind of wish we had, and we've like talked about every time we run into each other, we're always like, we should, uh, we should get the band back together. I, it was a really enjoyable experience, but I, I would, I'm definitely going to do it next time. I love it. I think it's a great cool. idea. Cool. Well, thank you for doing this. Of course. This is a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Sorry. Yeah, I made fun well, of John Lennon so much. What was that? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I made fun of John Lennon so much. Oh my God. I'm not offended. <laughs> like, I feel like at this time, at this point, I'm just used to it. I, I don't even know why I bring this up because I just like, like well, open myself up to having this conversation. <laughs> no, you should always bring it up. Cause if you like it, you like it. Is what it is. There's no, there's no such thing as guilty pleasures. People like what they like, you know. I just, I just tease and give people shit because it's, it's a little bit fun. But there's never, there's very few instances where I just think somebody's opinion is just wrong or that they just have zero taste. I mean, that's rare that I come across anything like that. You know, it so. probably wouldn't be somebody you would have on here. I wouldn't think, but yeah. Uh, you'd be surprised. Yeah. Nobody I've had yet. Nobody I've had yet. Everybody has had like you know. Um, I just, it's funny like a couple of my friends like you're just doing this for hot takes i'm like no i actually feel this way about this you know it's mm-hmm. i just don't like this one thing you know so but I, I try to be i try not to crap on it too much because i think that sometimes and i'm not saying this about anybody who's been on the show right yeah. i said fucking show anybody who's been on the podcast i have, i don't feel this about anybody that's been on so far but sometimes when you criticize somebody's taste in music they take it almost like it's a personal attack and it's like, no, that's not, they get real. Like prickly. And I get it because it's meaningful to them. But yeah. I think ultimately just having the conversations, even if you're poking each other a little bit is, is that's fun to me. So. You know. No, I love that. I love that. I love having a like, yeah, tete-a-tete about music. <laughs> yeah. But I appreciate you doing this. And um, I've 
been a fan for a while. I've, I liked as if I've always liked beyond earth. And when I saw safe words, actually we DJed the one night when you guys were playing. Yeah. Well, I feel like we played eh, okay that night, but yeah, no, I, it was great. We, we had Matt and I were both like, had a good time. I was like, great. We don't have to be here all night. We can just go play and then we'll play, you know? So that it was, was a really fun night. Yeah. Yeah. We had a that lot of fun. Birthday. Oh what gosh. Was it? was it? I think so. I don't um, remember. When is your birthday? January 15th. Yeah, it had to have been. It was definitely winter of 2020. It was the beginning of 2020. No, it wasn't. It was 2019. Was it? I think so. Okay, Safe Words played our first show in November of 2019. Yeah, then it would have been, yeah, it would have been January. Or, I don't it know. Was, I'm it's only been wrong. like a year. It hasn't been that long. It's only been like a little over a year ago, I think. Yeah, I'm probably wrong. Time just is all fucked up now. Thanks, Yeah, pandemic. time is so fucked up. <laughs> hey, some people are made of plastic. All right, that's it. I want to thank Ann Lillis for hanging out and chatting for a bit. I had a really good time talking with her about music. Uh, please, please, please check out Safe Words and Beyonders on Bandcamp. I'll have their links in the show notes. Uh, if you want to interact with me, it's Instagram, Larry underscore Bleachmouth, Facebook, Bleachmouth Postscript. My email is bleachmouthps at gmail.com. As always, I don't fuck with Spotify and I don't fuck with Twitter. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.